Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the New Testament book of John. The New Testament book of John. And Mike has raised some questions as we begin this series called Conversations. And I want to read the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. You'll find that on page 750 in your church Bibles. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not, and look at the footnote there, overcome it. Overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. That's John the Baptist now. Not the Apostle John, but John the Baptist for clarification. John the Baptist, verse 7, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. John 1, 1 to 18. Years ago, a man by the name of George Schultz was secretary of the state for our country. And uh, in that responsibility, then all the ambassadors reported to him. And when an ambassador was either uh, returned to the country or about to be sent out, uh, just before that ambassador was about to be sent out to their assignment, they would meet for an interview with the Secretary of State, Schultz. And they would talk about the country they were going to serve, their post and their responsibilities. And then at the conclusion of the interview, Schultz would go over to his office and he would pick up a globe, and he would say to the ambassador, okay, now before you leave, I want you to prove to me that, uh, you know, show me where your country is. And so 
the ambassadors would you know, spin the globe around and they would, uh, invariably, they would point to the country to which they were assigned. And unerringly, this happened all the time. Ambassador, interview, show me your country, and they would do the, the country to which they were assigned. All but one. Mike Mansfield um, was appointed to be the ambassador to Japan, the ambassador, United States ambassador to Japan. So he, like all the others, met with George Schultz at the conclusion of the interview. And they were friends. They'd known each other. They get to the office. They have the interview. At the end, George Schultz says, okay, show me your country. He spins the globe around, stops at the United States, points and says, that's my country. That's my country. And Schultz never forgot that and used that as an illustration for all the other ambassador interviews that he had. And his point was simply this, of course. Show me your country. And and remember, remember who you represent. You're going to be going into another country. You're going to be, uh, uh, you're going to be going and you're going to be serving. And you, you never forget who you represent. Never forget your home country. Never forget that you represent the greatest country on the face of the earth. Never forget. Show me your country. Show me your country. And we're beginning a series here. Um, we have been praying about it. We have been planning and preparing a series called Conversations. And uh, our heart's desire in that, this upcoming series, that over the next several weeks, we'll begin to be skilled and equipped at just having conversations, spiritual discussions. We'll be able to be a little more natural at engaging in an authentic way of the, uh, about sharing our most precious treasure Jesus Christ. And some of us are very skilled already and in a very natural way. It is, it is easy and it's almost like an adventure. Every week we have this adventure and say, Lord, I don't know who you're going to put in front of my path today or I don't know what my conversations are going to look like with the friends that you put in my life or my family, but I'm ready. And it's an adventure and you've just, you, you have been compiling a portfolio of God's faithfulness and For you to have a conversation with someone about Christ, whether it's your neighbor or your colleague or your boss or or, uh, one of the in-laws, it's very natural. And you're very good at it, huh? Some, uh, we just freeze up. We just, the notion of having a, a conversation with someone about Christ, I mean, you know, Lord, I just anything but that. I'll serve in the nursery. I'll, I'll give more. You see, we end up kind of cutting deals with God, offering guilt, guilt offerings with God. I'll, I'll do this, Lord. I'll go to the Dominican. I'll go to Ukraine. I'll go to Turkey. I'll do this. But please don't ask me to go across the street. Anything but that, please. And so we end up kind of, you know, you know working these deals with God. And what happens is, is that potential joy is just robbed. Because we miss opportunities, opportunities to share our most precious treasure. Well, how do we do that in a, in a genuine way? I, I want us to try to, to talk about that today. And, and I think Jesus is the most qualified person to teach us. 
And so we're going to be uh, overhearing conversations that Jesus had with different folk. I mean, next week we're going to look at the conversation that Jesus had with a preacher. All right? Because it's a good idea for preachers to be converted, don't you think? Uh, Don't assume that all of us are. (laughs) All right? Um, Are you, Randy? Yeah, I think yes. (laughs) Okay? Uh, But then the next week, uh, and that's, by the way, that's Nicodemus in John 3. And then next week, uh, the week after that, we're going to, and John 3 and John 4 are put together for a specific purpose because John 3 is about how how Jesus conversed with a a religious leader, someone who who in that day had a high standing in his culture. But then John 4 is, is Jesus has a conversation with a social outcast. And they're right next to each other for the specific purpose of communicating that Jesus is for all of us. And then we'll overhear a conversation that Jesus had with a political leader, all right? You've noticed some of the friends that we've invited in the foyer today as you came in, huh? John's here, Barack is here, uh, Miley's here, the Duke, all right? We let anybody in this church, okay? What, what, we're going to listen to a conversation that Jesus had with a political leader. His name was Pilate, and, uh, and you'll notice in those, con- in those three conversations, Jesus' approach was different because every person is different. So that's kind of where we're headed in this series. Um, but the first conversation I want to talk about today is not a conversation that Jesus wants to have with Nicodemus or the Samaritan woman or Pilate. The, the, the conversation that I want us to, to overhear today is the conversation that Jesus wants to have with you with me, with us. And so I just want you to imagine, you know, going to the Conversations Cafe over here and, and you're sitting here in one of these chairs and Jesus is over here and it's just the two of you. And you're, or maybe it's a favorite place of yours. I don't know. I mean, uh, 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 during the summer when it was dry, in the mornings, uh, I'd get out in the back patio and get my Kenyan double-A coffee and, and it's just me and my back and my back patio and the chair and, and my Bible, and it's like Jesus having a conversation. He says, Randy, I want to have a, I want to have a, before you back your car out of the driveway, before you go to your place of business, before you go out into the neighborhood, before you go around the family table, all right, I want to have a conversation with you, and here is what Jesus has to say. Not just to me, but to every one of us here. Jesus says, Brings the globe, and he says, Randy, show me your country. Show me your country. You are going to be going out into a place, and you're going to be representing me. You're going to be my delegate, my ambassador. You're going to be going out, but I don't ever want you to forget your country. Show me your country. And what that means is, is Randy, I want you to know, I want you to know, and I want should have it settled in your heart who I am, who I am. I want you to know and have it settled in your heart why I came. I want that to be. I want that to be burned into your soul, engraved in your soul. I want you to have confidence in who I am and why I came, and then as a result, who you are, who you are. Show me your country. Show me who I am, why I came, and then as a result, 
who you are. And that's why I had us read, church family, John chapter 1. Because in John chapter 1, Jesus answers these questions. For it, if you read the Gospel of John, you know that it is different than the other Gospels. There's no manger scene, is there? There's no genealogy. There's no angel showing up. There, Gabriel's not giving an announcement. It's as if the Apostle John himself, who called himself the disciple Jesus loved, Jesus, he it's as if he steps in front of the curtain and, and he says, now before I begin to tell you about the life of Jesus, I want to just get a few things straight right here. You're gonna, you know, when you read the gospel, you're going to read someone who does teaching, but he's more than a teacher. You're going to see some miracles, but he's more than a miracle worker. You are going to hear Jesus prophesy, but he's more than a prophet. Who is he? Oh, in verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was the logos. John is talking to, uh, John is talking to the Greeks in that culture. In the beginning was the logos. Uh, uh, the Greeks had this concept of, of rationale. In the beginning was the rationale, the reason. What are you living for? What's your reason for living? What's your purpose for living? And John is saying in no uncertain terms that Jesus is the reason for our lives. Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the center of which our lives orbit. And, and then he says he was, so, and the word was with God, and the word was God, with God and was God. What, he was with God. What's all that about? And then you read down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made him. And we're learning something about God through the Gospels here. Something that, we, that was not known before Jesus came. We're learning that the God that we worship, that there is a threeness to the oneness of God. That our God is triune, that he is one being, but he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each person is God. Each person is, is, is a distinct person. And I could give you ten illustrations to try to show that to you, and it would still be a mystery when I'm done. I could talk, I could, I could use algebra, you know, 3x equals 1y. I could talk to you about the government, about the judicial and the executive and the legislative and how those are three persons of the one government. But oh, uh, there is a threeness to the oneness. That, I mean, it's, it, it is beyond human capacity to grasp. It's a, it's a faith statement in the Christian worldview. But, but, but look to see how... how how this develops here. No one has ever seen but God, the one and only. Verse 18 says, who is at the Father's side. Literally, some of your translations say, who is, who is in the Father's bosom. The Father's bosom. Do you see that there? That, that conveys closeness. That conveys intimacy. There is a, there is a perfect 
harmony and unity and and community that exists in our triune God. That God the Son, God the Son, who is at the Father, in the Father's bosom. Now think about that just on literal terms for a minute. How many people, let's say you go home and, and uh, after you get home and, and you get home and you, you, you check your sump pump because you've been praying that God is sovereign over the sump pump. I've been praying that right now. He's and I'm, he's and I'm preaching. I got to be done because I got to check my sump pump, right? I got to see you people later, right? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so we're just thinking about that. We're going home. We're going to eat. Then I'm going to lay on the couch. Or I'm going to go you know, kind of take a cat nap on bed and everything. Who, listen, in your life, who can come right now without permission, without asking, how many people in your life right now do you have who, who without asking permission ahead of time, can just come and, and lean against your bosom? You see, and just how many people in your life can do that? They, just, they don't even have to ask permission. They can just, see. How many people think about that? Huh? For me, there's three. There's three. They don't need to ask. They just can come and they don't even need to ask permission. There's, there's just three, you know? And, and if you ever come over to my home, please remember that. And uh, <laughs> And I'll remember that when I come over to your home, too. So, of course. There's three. And two of the three, I would really prefer that they would have showered before expressing such affections, you know. I just, really, not as cute as they used to be. Who's that in your world? Who's that in your life? Some of you know you, that, that comes right to your mind. Some, some relationships that kind of go in and out, you know. And, but who is that? that? Some of you don't have that and you want that. And, and what we're seeing here is that there's that, that our triune God had that kind of community and fellowship and oneness and joy where God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, our one God in three persons had perfect sharing, perfect joy, perfect giving and, and, and sharing and receiving. And there was just this, this blessed, blissful, wonderful, perfect joy. And it's out of that that our world was created. Not because God was lonely. Not because God needed someone to love, because there was already perfect love. Already. See, and so the, even the act of creation, our triune God says, this is so perfect, so wonderful, so joyful, that it will glorify us even more by creating a world in which we can share this. And that's why. That's why all that you see has come into existence, including your own life, because our God is a sharing love. Our God shares, and God the Son, God the Son, God the one and only who is in the Father's bosom, who has made him known, he was appointed to come to earth and expand the ring so that we would be able to participate in this perfect, perfect community and love and joy, you see. And... Uh, And that's why it says the word became flesh. Became flesh. 
and made his dwelling. Who is Jesus? The word became flesh. The reason for the universe's existence became flesh. You know, know, I'm from Oklahoma. We like chili down there. And so we like chili. And then you know chili. And then there's chili con carne, right? Chili with flesh. We're talking about here God con carne. God, God with flesh, you see, came and he showed up. And we've seen the glory, the glory of the one and only. And, and this means to, to see Jesus is to see God. To, to, to see, to see, sometimes we have these ideas about what we think God is like, and then we try to fit Jesus into that. John is saying, no, 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 no. Do away with your preconceived notions. If you want to know who the God of this universe is like, look at Jesus. The Gospels are the best source to know, the best first source to look at. If you want to know who God is, you need to read the Gospels because in the Gospels, they tell us about Jesus, God the Son. And when you have seen God the Son, you have seen God. Because Jesus is, Hebrew says that he is the exact imprint the exact he's the exact representation of the almighty if you want to know about the patience of god look at the patience of jesus if you want to know about the the heart of god look at the heart of jesus if you want to know about the power of god look at the power of jesus if you want to know about the forgiveness of god the love of god look at the forgiveness and the love of jesus if you want to know about the anger of god look at the anger of what was it that made Jesus saying, oh, you know what made Jesus angry? When people who should have known better did not act in faith, that's what angered Jesus. Lack of faith by those who should have known better. What I'm saying is that Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh. Yahweh in the flesh. And he even put himself on record by saying that, if you were to just flip over a few pages to John chapter 5, verse 18, it says, For this reason, the Jews tried all of the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but what? He was even calling God his own father, making himself, what? Equal with God. Equal with God. God, who is Jesus? Who? Show me your country. My country has a king who is God in the flesh. Now, why why am I talking about this? Why is this so important? Well, um, there was a book written in 78, and it was updated in 92. It's called The 100. A fellow by the name of Michael Hart wrote this book. And uh, Michael Hart, this is a ranking of the most influential persons in history, the top 100, all right? And I've just listed the top 10 there, okay? Michael Hart, according to Michael Hart, the prophet Muhammad is the, is the most influential person in history. Then there's Isaac Newton, and then Jesus Christ is number three. You can see the rest of the list there. A couple of other religious leaders, St. Paul. Uh, number seven, this is the guy uh, who invented paper. So, now you know. I, I didn't know that. Maybe you knew that. I didn't. So, anyway. And then the press, and then that number nine, that's Columbus, Christopher Columbus. That, we're on first name basis. So Columbus, that's who that is, all right? But, 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 but just leave that up there for a minute. Of the top ten, okay, only one of them claimed to be God. Now, if, 
who else would get away with that? You see what I'm saying? He said, wait a minute. We're saying that the, the third most influential person is the, is the one who claimed to be God? Someone who claims to be? I mean, <laughs> wait a he, Well, no, the Gospels are mistaken. About, no, they're not mistaken. It's, it's very clear throughout all four Gospels and throughout the entire New Testament that Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. Well, I, I'm thinking of something C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said that you can... You can you can spit at him. You can consider him a, a devil from hell. You can call him a lunatic, someone who puts himself on the level of a poached egg. Or you can fall down and worship him as God. But please, let's dispense with the patronizing nonsense of Jesus merely being a good, influential person. He did not leave us with that option. He didn't. He didn't. No one would say the things that Jesus said unless, I mean, he was just a, a, a lunatic, just an, an outflat deceiver, a devil from hell, or maybe he, maybe he truly is God in the flesh, you see. That's why this matters. And, 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 and that leads me to this quote from a very important uh, book. It's a book written by a man by the name of Don Everts. He says this. He, he, has, he has witnessed the conversion of uh, literally hundreds of, of postmoderns in his book titled, I Once Was Lost. This is what he says. As you seek to build trust through affirmation, learning, and going into someone else's world, you need to be Honest. You need to be careful to be honest about the uniqueness of Christ. You will actually be doing your friend a disservice if in the name of trying to build trust, you profess that all faiths are the same and can lead to God. No one likes a bait and switch. You need to be clear in your own mind about Jesus. It will be hard to walk with your friend into the Jesus revolution if you do not know yourself what is revolutionary about Jesus? See, show me your country. Show me your country. Who is Jesus? Oh, he's God in the flesh. The one and only in the Father's bosom who has revealed you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. But what about this revolution? What about this revolution that Everts talks about? That kind of leads us to this second truth here, this second part of the show me your country truth. And, and that is, here's why he came. Why did Jesus come? He came to redeem creation. He came to restore the effects of the fall. That's why he came. And it's so important. that He came to overcome the darkness. Verse 5. The light, that's Jesus, shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. That word understood means overcome it. The light attacked the darkness. And, but the darkness was not able to defeat the light. The light defeated the darkness. Because this was, uh, this was a revolution where God the Son was sent. He was ex- sent to expand the ring. But when he came to earth, it was darkness. And it was darkness due to our disobedience. Darkness due to our sin. And Jesus came. And the story of Christianity, and, and maybe it's too soon for us to talk about it, but 
I can't help but thinking about it. The story of Christianity, the Christian worldview, is about a people who chose to stay on Galveston Island when the governing authority said, if you stay, you will face certain death. You will face certain death if you stay. But they chose to stay. And then the darkness of the storm clouds came. And then they realized they were over their heads. And they realized that if they stayed on the island, they would drown. But if they left and made a break for the shore to try to swim, they would be overwhelmed. And the message of Christianity is that God, the eternal son, put on a wetsuit, the wetsuit of human flesh. He put on human flesh and he came on a search and rescue mission and he says, I'm the way home. I'm the way to safety. Come with me and we, and we, and we go and we let him carry us and by his strength, he gets to shore, and he gets us to shore, and when we kind of fall off his back and get to dry land, get to shore, we look back and we realize he's gone, and the reason why he's gone is because he gave his own life. He sacrificed himself so that we could be alive. A search and rescue mission in which he gave us his own life. That's what we see here. He came into his own, John says. Do you see that? He came, he came uh, to his own. He came into his own, but his own. He didn't, it's not like he went to the Americas. It's not like he went to China. He went to Israel. He went to the, the trustees of, of God's word. The people who should have known him and recognized him. It's like going to your hometown, going to your very own home where you grew up, knocking on the door. And when your family opens the door, you're waiting to be received. They said, who are you? We don't know you. And furthermore, they not only rejected him, they put him on a tree. They crucified him. Christianity is the only faith that declares that God came in human flesh not to destroy his enemies, but to forgive them and deliver them. He came into his own, but his own received him not. I like what Major Ian Thomas says. Of Jesus. He had to come as he came in order to be what he was. He had to be what he was in order to do what he did. He had to do what he did so that we might have what he has, and we must have what he has in order to be what he was. Show me your country. Oh, your country, you have a king who is God in the flesh. And he came on a rescue mission to redeem this world. Christianity is about the redemption and rest. It's not about us just forgetting about this place and then just longing for a better home. No, no, no. It is about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is about heaven swallowing up earth, new heavens and new earth. That's what it's about. That's what we're talking about. And then it's about, here's who you are. Here's who you are, verse 12. Verse 12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who trusted in God the Son, who came to redeem and restore. To those who trust, he, and, and who received him, 
He gave the right. Hey, if you have received Christ, you are a child of God. And, and, and what does that mean? It means you have bosom access to the Father. That's what that means. You have access to our, you have, you are close. And, 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 and how important this is because we often, you know, if, oh God, I just didn't you know, do this and I know you're going to be mad at me or, or you know, nobody would like someone like me. And you know, God is saying, you're my child. I love you because you've trusted Christ. You've trusted my son. I love you. Don't, yes, I want you to share. But don't think you can't come to me if you don't, you know. Man, no. You're my child. You're my child. You can always come to me. Do you know that? Do you know that? See? And are you living in that reality that, that God has no negative thoughts about you because of Christ? Are you living in that reality? And it's, are, you, are you participating in the ring of that joy and fellowship, you see? And then I, I'll tell you what else it means. It means that we're an heir. See, to, be a, to, to receive the rights of sonship means we are heirs. And that means that one of these days, you know, our country's in the midst of a massive wealth transfer between generations, right? Between the baby boomer generation and the next who will receive that. And you know what? There's going to be a day when, there's, when Jesus comes, there's going to be a massive wealth transfer when God will restore this earth when Jesus comes and we will receive new bodies I mean it's going to affect every blade of grass that are you living in that reality see so why are you worried about what people are going to think of you at work you see why are you why are you fretting about that are you living in the reality of your sonship and daughtership of the king huh C.S. Lewis said he can make the feeblest and filthiest of us into a dazzling, radiant, immortal creature pulsing all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot now imagine. A bright, stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly his own boundless power and delight and goodness. Are you living in that reality now? See, here's who Jesus is. Here's why he came. And here is who you are. That's a reality. And it is out of that that God wants us to share and have conversations. And, and that leads me to this other word here that's important in this passage of Scripture. He came, this is of John the Baptist. Look at that verse in verse 7. He came as a witness. As a witness. That's, it's out of our sonship that we are to witness Jesus, if, if you look here a little later on in John 1, you will see John the Baptist's very first words, very first spoken words. You see that in verse 20? This is John the Baptist's very first spoken words. His very first spoken words, I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. That's a good thing to remember, isn't it? Huh? Let's everybody say that on three. One, two, three. I am not the Christ. Good. See, that just, it just feels like a load has been lifted off of me. Right? It's just a load's been lifted on. Okay. All right. All right. I, you know, I'm just the delivery person. I'm, my job is to deliver the word. And, and then that's, that's, that's it. My, I'm no more responsible for making you turn to Christ as my postal carrier is responsible for making me pay my electric bill. After my postal carrier delivers it. See, you just deliver. Deliver the news. 
delivered. And, and that means I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not your God. I'm not your guru, church family. <laughs> I'm, I'm a brother. I'm a brother. And, and when we operate out of that humility, well, that gives us the opportunity to influence. I, I love this quote here. Most people do not come to Christ as an immediate response to a sermon they heard at church. Sometimes they do. Sometimes. But I'll tell you what. They come because of the influence of an individual. That's like you. You're, you have something in your life unique and attractive and contagious. And they say, I don't know what you have, but I want it. I want it. I want it. And it's because someone, why are they attracted? Because someone to the depths of their heart they know they know they know their country and they know who Jesus is and why he came and who they are in Christ okay maybe you were looking for technique this morning right you know that's your technique technique is listen to Jesus listen to who he says to you as to who he is and why he came and then who you are, all right? And then out of that, see, out of that, then, you, I mean, you just be able to share your heart and your love. Maybe you're here today and you would like to be able to put your head on God's very own bosom. Very, you'd like to have bosom access to the Father, huh? Oh, it only comes through Jesus. I told you what John the Baptist's first words were, but if you just keep looking down in John chapter 1, and if you look in verse 38, Jesus' very first words in John's gospel are, and I'll, I'll tell you how it is more literally, what do you seek? What are you seeking? What are you looking for today? Who do you want? Who are you looking for? What do you want? What do you seek? It's interesting, by the way. John's gospel was written around uh, 80, 85 A.D., all right? When Jesus was crucified, God's people in 30 A.D. said, We have no king but Caesar. And then they put Jesus up on a cross. In 30 A.D., God's people said, We have no king but Caesar. Caesar's our king. That's it. 30 A.D. You know what happened in 70 A.D.? Caesar came and leveled Jerusalem and leveled the temple, leveled the capital. There was no Jerusalem. What are you seeking today? What is it? Listen, if you, if you get what it is you're seeking, will whatever that is come back and level you years later? I'm telling you, Jesus won't. You say, I don't know. Okay. All right. Then let's look at the second thing Jesus says here in John 1. What are you seeking? And then Jesus says this. Come and see. Check me out. Check me out. Hmm? One of the ways that you can engage in a conversation with a neighbor 
is just to practice hospitality. Invite them over, have some coffee, have some dessert. Ask them to help you bail out your sump pump. I, you know, I mean, you're going to get close then, right? Come and see. Come and see. Okay? Remember your country. Here's who he is. Here's why he came. And here's who you are. What are you seeking? Come and see. Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you that you came in the flesh. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to share your joy. Oh, but you did because of who you are. And thank you for rescuing us. And thank you for giving us the rights of sonship. You gave it to us. We can't earn it. You give it to us. We receive you. We trust you. And I pray, Lord, I pray just in our congregation's heart that it will, we will live in the reality of our sonship that we share. We are at the Father's bosom because of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And thank you that we are reminded of that daily through the elements, uh, weekly through the elements of communion. We love you. Amen.